everybody, and welcome to today's Infection Control Matters. Uh, it's Martin Keenan here, and I'm here with Professor Brett Mitchell in Australia. And our special guest today is Mr. Paul Weber. Now, many of you around the world will have known Paul for a long time. Uh, he has been a pioneer in the in the world of teleclass education. Uh, I had a little look at the recordings library. I think there's 744 recordings in the recordings library. He's been at it for 20 years. His list of speakers is a complete who's who of the infection prevention world. And uh, I just want to kick off, Paul, apart from welcome, but where did it all start to go wrong? <laughs> go, go wrong. Thank you. Very, very well put. Uh, if that question is, where did it start? Yeah. Uh, I had a, a meeting with uh, Professor Syed Zatar in at his office at the University of Ottawa late in the year 2000, and um, it was regarding something completely different, but he had a little idea that he would like to explore. And I have been an exceptionally lucky person my entire life, and I intend I tend to be at the right place at the right time. And at that exact time, he had this idea for a lecture series that would involve a few, maybe two or three, perhaps 10 lectures a year, at the most 10, <laughs> and mostly from Canadian uh, speakers and for a Canadian audience. And that's where we started. And it kind of took off from there. And at some point, it became Weber training. And I, I'd like to say that was... Um, because of his modesty, but I think it may possibly because being because of my lack of modesty. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's global and it has a huge international following. I mean, uh, you know, Brett and I at the weekend we've been running this podcast about three months now, and we hit three thousand downloads. Well, what's the average audience for a teleclass? Um, well, it varies widely. Uh, it varies from a few hundred people to, I think our largest one was about 74,000 people on a live lecture. And the online recordings get um, regularly, uh, the the ones that are from noted speakers will get something close to 60 or 70,000 uh, hits within about the first month, sometimes within a couple of weeks after they've been posted onto the website. You know, um, Paul, one of the things that people probably are now wondering, listening to those stats, is what was the 74,000 <laughs> uh, live audience? What was uh, that? That was that was a World Health Organization lecture. Uh, when, when Ebola was a big thing a few years ago, uh, the WHO gave a teleclass on Ebola and management global, global management of, of Ebola. Uh, and that got an enormous audience. Wow! And and the 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 ones that have been um, listened to a lot, the the non live um, ones. What what were some of the topics or uh, speakers that come to mind that really drew those um, those larger listening audiences? Oh, gosh, I should have been ready for that. Uh, well, <laughs> Put you on the spot there. Sorry. <laughs> the GAPT always draws a very large audience. And there's a fellow in the UK named Martin Kiernan. Who's, yeah, right. uh, who's really Never heard of him. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's really big. I have a large family. Yeah. Sometimes it's the topic. Sometimes it's the, it's the big name of the speaker. The World Health Organization lectures. Well, of course, lectures that are free registration always get large audiences. Mm. Uh, but the 
registration fees only apply to people in developed countries. Uh, in developing countries, everyone has access to everything at no cost. That's a great model, Paul. And I guess the, the costs that you do have, um, that's that's where you try and recruit some of those costs from uh, from some of the registrations, perhaps. Yeah, re- registration fees, they help, certainly. They're a small part of, of, of our income. Uh, we get the biggest support from corporate uh, sponsors and from governmental agencies and grants and from the World Health or- Organization. We never, as you probably know, we never break even. We, we make a point of it. In fact, we believe that if we ever make a profit, we have failed in, in some way because there are so many things that we can do with the money that does come in. Uh, so some years, my wife would like me to get closer to breaking even, but, uh, <laughs> but we never have. And, and, and if, if I have my way, we, we never will. Uh, well, look, me with my sort of usual research and stats lens on, um, I think Martin's got some interesting stats that he might have pulled from your uh, website. Martin, have you got anything to to of interest there yeah I, I i had a look at the speakers i had a look at the speakers and it's an absolute who to and, and uh, obviously a conflict alert here i've spoken uh, on your teleclasses uh, so has brett and so has phil russo who's also part of the podcast team but to be honest it'd be you'd almost yep. struggle to find somebody the best of the best yeah you'd almost struggle to find somebody who hasn't been part of the uh, the teleclass program really and Didier Pitay's done the most I think at 28 but when I was just looking at the topics you've covered pandemics 16 times disinfections popular at 26 times but I also had a look at you know how infection prevention is perceived if you like and the, the word challenge or barrier appears in the title of 58 lectures really? but the word opportunity only appears four times. So clearly there are far more <laughs> challenges than opportunities in really? infection prevention, which is an interesting take on it. I'm not sure how to comment on that. Uh, the, <laughs> well, the, uh, well, we give you the title, but it, it, I, think, I think it's interesting that that's the way yeah. you know, it, it seems to be tough to be infection prevention almost. You know, you, you say about people who, who haven't given a speech, given a teleclass, uh, every year in August or September, I invite low or we i should say that we invite loads of people to give teleclass lectures and the ones as you might note there are a lot of repeats people come back and give lectures over and over again but a lot of the ones that we invite uh either have never heard of us or or in fact don't even reply to my email message Uh, so so there are a lot of people who i would love very much love to get involved in teleclass education and some topics I would love to cover, but unless you have the speaker to do it, you you can't. We just can't. I, I don't want to throw anybody. Well, Paul, here's your here's your opportunity, Paul. Don't, yeah. Without naming people, what topics would you uh, really love to cover? Oh my goodness! There's to tell you what. There, there's one. Uh, I am going to not name a person, but come very very nearly to it. There is one person who has refused me a few times probably because of his work situation but he used to be the um uh, he used to be the minister of health in and he was the minister of health under the government and you may have to edit some of this out uh, and he challenged the government with regards to uh, aids he he was a medical doctor still, still is and he's still in, in the government though not minister of health and i would very much like to have him t- give a talk on his experience 
dealing with with HIV AIDS in an era in a government that refused to admit that it existed. That's that is at the very top of my list. Now he has refused me a few times because he's not he feels it's it's not his it's not his portfolio anymore. He's not Minister of Health anymore, so you shouldn't speak to that. Uh, but I'm hoping one of these days he'll retire and then he'll he'll join me. Uh, but I'd I'd like to have somebody talk about how to advocate on a government level, and I'm talking about paid advocates or somebody. Um, is the word I'm looking for, Martin? What's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, like a lobby group, lobbyists. Also. Lobby. Thank you very much. How to lobby? How to lobby government? Because uh, I think that's where a lot of now it's going to be a lot easier now in the shadow of, uh, of coronavirus. Uh, that's going to be a, that's a field that I would very much like. You know, when we interviewed um, Didier Pate, I asked him a question about his reflections on influencing um, government and, and policymakers. And we sort of left it because we said, actually, that's a topic in itself. And it would be fascinating to explore that with people like the, the, the person you just described and others who have been really knee-deep in trying to deal with politics, uh, administration, and science, and uh, manoeuvring their way through that. And I suspect we'll hear a few more stories from from COVID-19 in future years with inquiries and various things yeah. that come out. So. Yeah, we, we really like the practical teleclasses. And, and Martin will tell you that he really, really likes, the, when he's hosting a teleclass, he likes the, the lectures that have practical advice and, and takeaway messages. Um, I like the ones that make me feel good and have a feel good message. Um, but you know, there's there's so much more that that can be said. So many more topics that aren't even necessarily directly infection control related. You'll you'll note on the recordings library we have some that aren't specifically infection control ish. They're presentation skills. They're all kinds of things like that. Um, so I think there's so much more that we can do than what we are doing. Yeah, I mean the, the uh, I mean the topics library is quite interesting. Just reading the title, there's a famous Jim Gaultier one about fecal aerosols spreading around as well, which uh, uh, not seen Jim for a while actually, but I, I think he's speaking at uh, the APIC meeting uh, this week. Um, but yeah, the topics library is nice and broad. I mean, do you know exactly who the audience is, Paul? Is it infection prevention? professionals or is a much wider audience because there is an opportunity there for many of these teleclasses are actually aimed at the end user aren't they and the the home care ones for example are actually aimed at the people who deliver home home care uh, to some extent yeah i've i've not i've not commissioned any kind of um uh survey of who who the audience is of course the base audience would be in fact everyone would have an an interest in infection control that's sort of the the baseline Uh, we have a lot of healthcare professionals, uh, not necessarily in infection control. We have a lot of government and university people. That's that's a huge audience, um, and corporate audience as well. Um, the people who are trying to sell to the people who we're talking to. How do you get the message out, Paul? Um, you know, because you're not you're, you're absolutely not on Twitter. Correct. I suspect you're not really using Facebook or LinkedIn or anything like that. Correct. And yet you've got a huge global audience. So are you relying on word of mouth or your professional associations I know do uh, support and, and give the word? And in fact, IPAC recognized you, didn't they, in 2017 with the Maura Walker Award for for the international service. But yes. is, that, is that how you network and, and pass the information out? 
That's exactly 100%. Uh, we, we spend zero dollars on advertising and marketing. Uh, almost 100% of it is word of mouth, I think. Uh, when we send out an email to people, I know that email goes to more than just that one person in many cases. Mm. The, uh, the IPS has been a great help. IPAC Canada has been a great help. The New Zealand, the Australian societies, uh, many of the African societies, including Infection Control Africa Network, they they list us on, on their website and our and our topics. Uh, the newsletters from many of these organizations include the topics that are pending for the coming month. Um, so it's we have a lot of help. I do very little of that. I I really wouldn't be able, to, I wouldn't want to spend any money on that. We did at one point. Uh, very early on, we spent some money on um, uh, uh, pamph- uh, on uh, articles in newsletters uh, for, from associations, just have little ads in there. But we don't do that a- anymore. We don't have the money for it. And frankly, our audience grows so fast, even now, that I think it, it would be money poorly spent. So, um, Paul... I'm hoping that some listeners might be to this podcast might be new to infection control and they might be hearing about the Weber Teleclast for the very first time. Okay. Um, and I wonder if you were starting out as a, a new person who's just coming to your website and thought, all right, this looks good. I want to do some professional development. Uh, where would they, where would you start? Uh, well, you first need to go to the recordings library because everything there is, is free access regardless of where you're from. And in the search box, type in something, a keyword, something that, that you're interested in, and hopefully we'll have one or more lectures pop up. Uh, you can download the handout notes there and keep, keep get a hard copy of them if you want. You can listen to the recording online or download it. You can share it. Uh, the intellectual property rights for all of these lectures remains with the person who gave the, the lecture. But they, all of our speakers are fantastically generous about sharing that information, including yourself. And so if, um, if somebody needs to download the slides or the recordings or whatever, it's all there, it's all available to them, and it will be there as, as hopefully forever, as, as long as I can manage it anyway. But it's, it's just a matter of starting there. Just to mention also... How, how do people access the actual teleclasses, Paul? Just just the actual system, if you could go through that as well for new right. potential listeners. Okay, so if you want to join a live teleclass broadcast, you first need to register as a Weber training member. And you just go on the website. It says there's a little box that says become a member. Now, click on that. There's a few fields to fill in. It takes about 30 seconds and costs nothing. We don't share our members' information with anybody. We don't sell it. Uh, we don't make it available to any outside group. It's completely confidential. And so just fill that information in. That'll bring you to your members area, your private members area. Click on teleclass registration. There's a, there are four boxes up, up in the corner there. One of them says teleclass registration. Click on that. Scroll down through all the teleclasses that are pending for this year, including ones that have already taken place. You can register for, for one that's that's already happened and have access to the slides and the recordings. And then just click on, there's a little box beside each one, check off whichever boxes you want. And at the bottom or at the very top, click register. An invoice will, will come up regardless. If you're in a developing country, the invoice will say zero, regardless of how many teleclasses you click. Actually, if you're in a developing country, 
we're going to register you for, for free for all the teleclasses without you having to do anything. So it's only people in developed countries who have to actually register for teleclasses. Some of them will say free registration, click on those, the invoice will say zero. The other invoices, uh, if you click on other ones, it'll say $40. It's 40 Canadian dollars, which uh, in, in US dollars is, a, is about $12.50. So click on that and just register. If the invoice is a surprise to you, you can still cancel. And if you get the invoice by accident and you're worried about it, then you just need to email me and I'll, and I'll fix it up for you. It's a fantastic resource. Yeah. yeah. And, then on the, and then two days before the teleclass date, you'll get an email from me with all of the links and all of the information that you need to join it live or to access the online recording. Fantastic. And it's an amazing resource, Paul, isn't it? Because everything is there. That's the thing. If you go back looking at the library, there's absolutely everything. You, you want to know something about it. You're going to be listening to a world leader talking about it, even going back 20 years. And some of the uh, – I've noticed some of the lectures given 20 years ago are actually extremely <laughs> – extremely replicable at the moment as well and interesting how things cycle uh brett you wanted to come in there yeah well yeah martin i was just reflecting back on some of those stats you mentioned earlier and topics and um you mentioned disinfection and and uh influenza and hand hygiene being some of those big topics and i noticed that in your stats that you did uh and like i won't hold you to these numbers martin but but the numbers for things like pneumonia You'd be surprised to hear very low, and yeah. yet you know it's it's an interesting thing that um, that we see things like pneumonia, UTIs, the most common infections we see in healthcare have not much research, not much interest, not much surveillance, and yeah. uh, and not a lot of other presentations. So just taking that forward, where you've got all those challenges and barrier topics that the speakers present on, um, there's opportunities. There's opportunities oh, yeah. there for. Uh, for much more work in this space. So let's turn all those challenges and barriers to opportunity um, research down the track. That's, this is the kind of information that we need. What we really need from our speakers or from our, our, our audience, uh, we need ideas, uh, topic ideas. We're, the ideas right now come from journals. I just, I scroll through journals. So the, the group of us, uh, we troll through, troll we call it, we troll through these journals and we find topics that are, uh, apparently topical because they're in a current uh, edition of a journal. And then we invite the lead author from that, that paper. Uh, so if we're not seeing those topics, if those are that interesting and important and we're not seeing them, then somebody needs to tell us that this is a topic that we need. Somebody maybe from Australia mm -hmm needs to think about giving a lecture on a topic like yeah, that. Yeah, I was just thinking that myself, Paul. You know, I'm just, you know, the thought of opportunities in research that makes a difference in infection <laughs> prevention with Professor Brett Mitchell from Australia. That, that sounds yeah. like an ideal. <laughs> yeah. Bet there, there's, therein lies the problem, isn't it, Paul? We, we, we've, we, we just have a, have a lack of, of publications in certain areas, and then that sort of reflects on everything else. But, it does. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It must keep down. I mean, the pneumonia is an absolute case in point, isn't it? You know, you've done systematic reviews on this, Brett, and there aren't, there isn't a lot to review. So, mm. you know, the evidence base doesn't grow, even though it's one of the one of the biggest problems, really. Interestingly, mm. uh, funnily enough, coronavirus has actually only had four lectures, uh, and that a couple of those were SARS or MERS. So, we, the, the coronavirus topic has yet to be uh, explored a little bit more, perhaps a bit. In, uh, more effectively with the benefit of hindsight because if it, I, I suspect a coronavirus lecture 
last March would be very difficult to a coronavirus lecture given <laughs> now because it's been such a rapidly evolving situation. Exactly right. And, and one of the speakers uh, from one of the coronavirus lectures um, said without quantification that that the uh, transmission is droplet borne. You don't need to worry about you know aerosols. It's not it's mm. just not an aerosol. It's absolutely just droplet borne and a surface contact issue. And of course now we know that that the airborne route is is in fact how a lot of these transmissions are taking place. Yeah, some some things we learn a lot of new things about and other things if you go back to the library actually you know, we we changed the, our opinions not a huge amount because the science has maybe backed up what we previously thought in a theoretical way. But uh, uh, but it is it is interesting to see, and even lectures given by a sim- what you think is a similar lecture given by the same person over a period of years, like you know Bill Rotala, for example. Those uh, topics evolve over the years, so it's actually sometimes worth going back to have a little look because. I do believe some people are stuck in the mindset of some of the early lectures and haven't really moved on uh, with the with the science. So it's it's almost a good way of reflecting on it. And, and I, I suspect because you've effectively created a a, a museum of <laughs> fantastic speakers on their favourite topics. I'm not talking, you know, I, I, you're a curator, Paul. I'm not talking about you as an exhibit here, uh, but, but but you you have you have a museum of recordings of the best speakers talking on their best subjects over the years that and we've often heard many of these speakers speak at a conference and you hear that and and it's gone but actually now you can go back and think do you know i remember them talking about that and i can go and listen to their to their lecture again which is actually a a lovely thing to do and and i've recently been listening to some of christina bradley's lectures because in the uk we we all miss christina very much and there are sadly some of your uh, you know your faculty who are no longer with us, and and it, it's it's actually a very nice memory you have stored for us for the future as well, Paul. Actually, that that really is that, that was Sizatar's uh, objective with this, because he was a he's a, he was and is still a fantastic mind brain and a speaker at conferences, and he would give a talk, and he knew that there was only a fraction of the people in that room. Uh, we're actually awake enough to hear what he's saying and, and to understand it. And of those, only a very small fraction would uh, remember what he said when they went back to their workplace. And even of that small fraction, a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction still would be able to communicate that effectively to their colleagues and make a change. And so his idea with this was that people would not only be able to hear the lectures, but be able to keep the lectures and be able to refer back to the, the lectures and exactly what you said, Martin. Uh, even some of the oldest lectures are still getting uh, hits. The, the the new ones, of course, are are all the all the rage, and we get uh, uh, tens and thousands tens of thousands of hits to the recordings library every month, mostly in the new lectures that are posted there. Um, but the old ones have a lot of value in them. Quite correct. I do actually because I'm I'm a great believer in unlearning. So I think I learned something 20 years ago, but I need to unlearn that. But sometimes you have to tr- go back and almost remember why you learned that in the first place and why the science has moved on. So it's it's a it's an extremely useful resource. And of course, you have uh, you know you have the English teleclass series, but you also have uh, other languages as well. I just need to mention that briefly as well, don't you, Paul? There's there's Portuguese and I think Spanish and some other ones. Portuguese, Spanish. Uh, there is a on again, off again, French series um, that is um, just waiting for somebody to really pick that up and, and run with it. 
there was going to be an, an, an Arabic series, uh, but the person who was wanting to run that lecture series was actually arrested by his government for some reason. And um, we haven't, he, he, his, his willingness to help is diminished. <laughs> Well, so, it's pro probably his availability oh, rather than his uh, willingness. Probably that, yeah. You had some fascinating stories to tell too, I'm sure. Well, we did, you, you yeah. know, um, the lecture that was originally given by Stephen Morse, he's, he's given two lectures, uh, or at least, I, sh I take that back, he's given only one. His second one is scheduled for this year. His first lecture was on infection control and the bioterror threat, which which sounds benign, but he was... When he was scheduled to give that lecture, he was actually stuck in an airport, I think in Chicago. And he actually, he had to give the lecture from an executive lounge. So he's talking about bioterrorism in this executive <laughs> lounge. And he said he, he passively noticed that people were moving away from him uh, <laughs> as he got into this lecture. And what he didn't notice was that two security guards uh, were standing right behind him. And as soon as he finished, he actually had an hour or hour and a half conversation with these gentlemen to work out exactly what he was talking about, <laughs> that he, in fact, was not a bioterror threat. We'll just wind up then, Paul, now, and thank you very much for joining us. I mean, hmm. 20 years, 700, it's probably close to 750 lectures because I know there are a couple that aren't on the recordings library because they're, they're on a cassette and there was a previous series, I think, that are on stone tablets that you've chiseled out but uh, we, those won't, probably won't see the light of day but it's it's absolutely fantastic achievement and you know and clearly your enthusiasm hasn't waned and we're looking forward to working together in the future all through all three of us especially just brett's now uh, agreed yeah. to do the opportunities in research uh, <laughs> yes. session hey, of course i'm happy to help <laughs> so how could you so, not how could you not thanks so much for joining us paul Hey, Marno, I want to thank you a lot. You've, I don't know if people realize what a benefit you've been to teleclass education, um, but uh, you've been hosting. You are perhaps the world's greatest or one of the no. greatest teleclass hosts. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Thankfully, I'm also in charge of editing. <laughs> when, when a speaker whose lecture is supposed to last 60 minutes closes up after 35, you manage to fill the rest of the time with questions as, as you did last week. I thought you were going oh, to talk about talk me. Underwater. Yeah, I thought I thought you were going to mention that my sixty-minute lectures normally last about seventy or eighty. <laughs> well, there we are. Anyway, thanks ever so much for joining us, Paul. Really Thank appreciate it, and uh, look forward to seeing you and speaking to you again soon when we get back to our normal topic of the weather. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Right. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you very much, Paul. And it's uh, goodbye from us for the latest edition of Infection Control Matters. Goodbye.